You are listening to the Married 2.0 Podcast with Amy Sanders, Episode 4. Welcome to Married 2.0. I'm your host, Amy Sanders. I'm a fitness and wellness pro, mom, stepmom, second wife, and master certified life coach. I'm here to help you manage your emotions, your relationships, and life so you can live a healthier, happier life. Welcome, friends. This is Amy Sanders, and I am so excited because today I have an amazing woman with me. Her name is Sasha. (laughs) You're so nice. You're amazing, Amy. (laughs) Well, I have to, I have to tell you guys about Sasha because really amazing doesn't even, it's not even a good enough word. So, but when I first met Sasha, I actually met her at because we are of the same faith. And so when I saw her, first of all, she's just naturally gorgeous. So, you know, you just like look over, you're like, who's that new girl? But she looked like a present, like wrapped up present because she was like wearing the most fashionable clothes. Oh my gosh. She's like super outgoing and bubbling. I know, Sasha, I've never told you that, but I was like, no, you never have. This is (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, but true. So anyway, she just had this outward energy. And I totally was like, I want to get to know this girl. So we instantly became friends. Sash, do you remember when I was like, um, do you want to be my new bestie? <laughs> yes, it was so awesome. I had like, to be honest, it was the first time that like I had had somebody so nice and outgoing just come up to me and welcoming me that way. So thank you. If I've never told you thank you for that, thank you for that. You're welcome. But it was all true. I was like, she has the type of energy of a woman that I want to hang around, you know, and they just like, you can just be attracted to that energy. And I was, and sadly, it wasn't that much longer Oh. She moved away. <laughs> like, what yes, I know. I know. But but here's the thing. So I wanted Sasha on the podcast, not only because she's amazing, but because I think she is going to be able to we're gonna be able to resonate a lot with her story more than because even with what's going on on the outside doesn't always necessarily feel that way on the inside. For sure. And so, Sash, I'm just going to put the time over to you for a minute to tell your story, and then we'll go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so, I guess, okay, so I'll just kind of jump right into it, uh, especially because I kind of know um, the goal of this is to really just try to help other people kind of resonate and just, I guess, connect more. With, with everybody and I learned just as much as I'm sharing and hearing. So uh, I have had a crazy life. Um, I grew up at a really dysfunctional home, lots of abuse, and I just got out of a second marriage. It's been about eight months now since we've been apart and 
And so it's just kind of been like this crazy roller coaster ride. And it's so funny that you would say on the outside, things looked so well put together. Well, you did. And that's how, that's how you looked and that's how you present yourself. I yeah. had no idea that your background was what it was. And I'm going to, for sure. For once, I'm going to pause you for one second to say she, I think we connected pretty fast like we were like soul sisters because we were stepmoms at the same time. Like yes. we're stepmoms. We understood divorce because we both experienced that and mm-hmm. we both liked fitness. So we had some common interest right out of the gate when we met, but I had no idea what her life had been like and what she was going through. So that's that's what I want, you know, why you're here. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're totally good. And kind of like what you said too, you know, it really, I don't know, especially like with my second marriage, it really made me realize just how, how I I wondered all the time walking around. I was like, I wonder how many other people are going through something like this or who are struggling so bad and just can't talk about it, you know, because there just was things when you're in the thick of hard things, sometimes you just, you just can't open up to everybody about it. And I think that's actually healthy in a way, you know, like, I don't think we should be going around telling everybody everything, but it just definitely like opened my eyes a lot to, um, what others might be going through. And, and yeah, so I was just really glad that you understood that too. Cause I haven't come across a lot of people who have been, you know, married twice or in their second marriage. And so that was really, like interesting to me too, because I hadn't talked to anybody in those same stories or a stepmom or having to share, you know, all these responsibilities and keep track of schedules and just insanity all the time. So right. I'm really right. glad that we connected so that we could really, really talk. And Yeah. The crazy thing though is that so many people are in these situations. So many yeah. people, so many women, stepmoms, so many people are in a second marriage or a third marriage or their first isn't going well and they don't know how to navigate it or how to make it better. And they want to work out, but they just don't have the tools or the confidence or, you know, there's a myriad of things, but yeah. So that's, that's what we want to talk about. So tell us more about your story. Oh man. What do you want to know about it? Like I kind of have a hard time because I really like, I really find a lot of joy even in the midst of like absolute hardship, you know? And so I don't know about, um, I guess, I I don't know really kind of where you want me to go with, with my story. So kind of tell me what, what do you want to know more about my story? Cause I'm just like, ah, this is my story, you know, but I don't really, (laughs) I don't really know. All right. So you, you don't have to go into total detail, but you said that you, we're in a dysfunctional family and yes. struggled with abuse. Yes. You, so you don't have to go down like the, the deeper. No, no, you're talking. Yeah. So, okay. Just, okay. So if you could think about it, there was all types of abuse. There was sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And so the dysfunction of my family. And also I was, I was really religious. Like um, the church for me at the time was kind of like my saving grace. And so my family was not religious at all, but I was, and, um, that just kind of added to the dysfunction because I didn't know how to operate in both worlds. And so I kind of clung to one and then I didn't know how to connect 
to my family at some times, but then I also knew how to connect with them at other times. And so, so yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of hidden stuff because when you're a kid and you have all this trauma going on, the only thing you know is don't tell anybody, you know, like you could get people in trouble. So don't tell anybody. That's kind of what, what, what you feel like as a kid and you just want to be normal. And so that definitely like, I, I didn't realize how much that had really kind of affected me because I had started therapy when I was 17. I had a great um, bishop actually at the time who had mentioned that maybe it would be a good idea to look into it. And I had been doing therapy for a while, but I just didn't realize like how much that affected how I showed up within relationships too. And just how it kind of navigated my life. And I did the best, you know, I mean, anybody who's been through trauma, I think does their best to figure out how to cope and how to move past that, but it's layers. And so stuff comes out at different times and it's just been, it's been an interesting journey with that for sure. (laughs) I can imagine. You've been married twice. And now I'm single again. Yep. With your first marriage, do you feel like some of the abuse and things that you experienced younger affect that first marriage or affected just who you were to where you married someone that maybe wasn't a good fit for you. For sure. Um, you know, I, so I was married the first time for almost eight years and I remember, uh, I remember like as I was growing up, so my parents had actually divorced twice. And so to me, I was like bound and determined when I get married, I'm going to have a marriage that lasts forever. And I'm going to did it out. I'm going to make sure that, you know, and so I kind of created in this, in my mindset that no matter what happens, I'm going to stick it out with somebody and I'm never going to get a divorce because I'm never going to put my, my kids through that. Like I had all these like checklists, you know, and it was because I had all these fears I had to come to learn. You know, I, I didn't want to feel the pain that I felt when I was a kid or I didn't want to repeat anything. And, and so I think I kind of, um, so we got married pretty quickly after we had met. And I think that I just kind of took everything as, um, I guess I based so much off of this image of what I thought marriage should be that when I was in it and there was like real problems and real things that were happening, I tend, I tended to just, well, let's just keep the peace. Like, it's okay. You know, like, cause I, I didn't want to have a divorce. I didn't want to have all these other things. So I kind of, I guess I kind of blinded myself to the negatives or just kind of self-preservation. You know, I think that I really, I dealt with a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have, but then also was able to forgive way more than maybe others could have because of what I've been through. So there's kind of like this positive and negative within that, you know, as I'm just thinking about it and we're talking about it. Like, am I hearing you correctly, correctly that you let him get away with more than you would have because you didn't want to get divorced. I don't know if get away is the right word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if it's, it's get away because honestly, I mean, we all have our own messed up stuff. Right. But I think, I think it was more so, and I, and I learned this especially after my second divorce, but I was so afraid of it ending in a divorce or something terrible happening um, where I, I think my biggest fear was like, I just didn't want it to fail. 
And I didn't want it to be like when I was a kid. And so that fear drove everything, meaning if he did things I didn't like, or if he made choices that really affected me, I tended to put my feelings to the side and just focus on making it okay. Like, okay, so you chose this choice that really hurt me, but um, it's okay because you know what? You're, you're human. Everything's all right. We all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And so I would just keep shoving me aside. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like what you're going through is hard and, and okay. Like we can fix this. And so I think I kind of turned a, a blind eye, I guess, to how I was really feeling, which then come to find out that stops the deeper intimacy. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't safe or I didn't feel safe enough to actually express how I really felt or what I really thought about certain situations. And I think that that, that probably could have helped us if I would have been more, um, if I would have had more of a voice, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, I think it does make sense. And I think a lot of women do exactly that. I know that in my first marriage, I I did the the same thing. It's okay. What my feelings don't really matter because yeah. I'll just forgive you again and we'll act like it's fine. Yes. <laughs> I'm the mother of children and I also in our religion. So in our religion, you, you do not get divorced. That's just like not. And so I wanted to avoid that at all costs. In fact, when I got engaged to my first husband, his parents said, we walked through the door and they said, Congratulations okay, we need to sit down and talk to you. Like, this is like, I literally just got the ring on my finger and we told them we're engaged. And they said, okay, congratulations. Come sit down on the cu- on the couch, come over here. And so we did. And they said, divorce is not an option. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, why am I, what? Like, why are you even talking about that? Because I'm, I'm like this young, early 20 girl in, in my early Anyway, but that's our religion, right? So it's like you do that, and so a lot of a lot of times it's just easy to maybe stay small and stay quiet and and be okay, even though you're not okay with certain things that are going on. For sure, and I think I think I mean now that you brought it up too, like I I think it was really hard because like my understanding of what a wife should be right? Or like how you should operate in a relationship was really based off of a very like, okay, let's, you forgive 70 times seven and you, and you turn the other cheek and, and you be a good wife. Like these are just things that like I was told. Right. And so I think I kind of had like this not so healthy idea in my mind that it was up to me to keep the relationship intact. And, and so you're right. I mean, and there's so much, you know, kind of self-inflicted, but um, also what is told to us by well-meaning people, I think. Um, but there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt when you have a, you know, quote unquote failed marriage. And I, I don't know, just, I, I started to, I didn't, I didn't fully realize it until my second marriage, to be honest, that wow, if I really want a connected marriage, like I have to be completely honest, even though it's not fun, I have to have a natural response. And I think the trauma for me made it so that I was like a a people pleaser. And I was, I was really, um, I, I betrayed myself a lot because I was so afraid to get hurt in one way or another because of my trauma 
or to hurt another person. And so I just felt like, okay, well, if I just do all these things that, you know, have been shown or proven to be a good wife and to keep a marriage intact, then it will stay that way and it'll be okay. And I had to learn the hard way that those trauma responses were really affecting my relationships. Yeah. So with your second marriage, what do you think went wrong there? Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> so honestly, I, I'm I'm going to be super frank, super open about all of it. Um, hindsight is so interesting, right? And I have like, I took a couple years of hashing out and fighting with myself before I actually made the decision to leave. And, um, as I was doing healing, I, I did a lot of intense, um, like therapies and all types of, of different things just to help me kind of get back to having my own voice and being able to be honest with myself. And I, and it like was traced all the way back to dating. And I remember when we were dating and, uh, you know, like if he held my hand or if he touched me, there was a part of me that I like cringed. I was like, <gasps> I don't know if I like that you know, and, um, instead of taking that as like a, Hey, Sash, there's something here that you need to look at. I just pushed it to the side and I was like, no, it's just because this is really new. And I just got out of my first marriage. So it just feels weird. I just need to keep doing this because he's a great guy and like all these things. And so I think it was the little things that I was ignoring or explaining away and uh, even like when he um, proposed, I remember inside I was thinking, not yet, because we had gotten married six months after my first um, divorce. And yeah, so it was really quick. And I remember thinking in my head, I, I thought that I was fine to make that decision. You know, like I was like, nope, there's there's all these spiritual experiences. There's all these other experiences that are telling me that this is the right choice. And, but I remember thinking inside, like, I'm not ready yet, but I said yes. And I think I got into this place of um, really convincing myself that number one, I was healed uh, and healing is going to be a lifelong journey. And number two, that I think I was just like, this guy checks all the boxes. He's an amazing man. And I remember even my grandma was like, you'd be an idiot not to marry this guy. And um, at the time, I didn't trust myself because I had just gotten out of a really not so great first marriage and where I, I couldn't trust myself anymore. And so I kind of relied heavily on other people other people's thoughts. And when you've gone through trauma, I think it's really hard for you to make a super concrete like decisions and fight for yourself because it's always self-survival almost or self-protection, you know? And and so like those are those are the first things that I could trace it back to because obviously I've hashed this whole thing out 50,000 times. <laughs> but but, um, but like, those were the first signs where I started to betray my inner voice, where I started to like convince myself of things. And, um, once we were married, it was wonderful. He's an amazing man. Like, oh my gosh, an amazing man. And yeah, he has his issues and I have my issues. And, um, but over time I, I started to recognize a lot of things that were happening that wasn't connecting and I, I started to also recognize that I 
I actually uncovered the full extent of my trauma as a child. And um, it was like a light switch. Sorry. And I remember um, when I finally remembered all of it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I have been disconnected here. This is why I'm afraid of certain touch. This is why I, you know, convince myself here. This is why I don't stand up for myself. This is why I avoid conflict or this is why I people please. It was like all of a sudden I finally had the answer to um, my parts of the relationship, you know, because like I, I, I feel like, I don't know, in, in every relationship, it takes two people for a breakdown. And in certain ways, I don't think that's all the time. But um, I just started to recognize, like, I can't blame my spouses for the choices that they made that may have hurt me or made me ultimately decide to choose, like, be a part of that consideration and leaving. Um, I had to just own up to only my stuff. So, so that's kind of where I came. I, I came away from that recognizing, wow, like there's a lot of stuff that I have to own in here and that I have to reconcile with. And I was really angry. I, I was so angry. I wanted to hurt the man who had hurt me when I was a kid because it affected my whole life this way. Like I was, <laughs> I kind of made some choices that weren't the best <laughs> to fulfill that anger. <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's real, you know, like, and I think about all these other people who have gone through things and, and I think another thing too is, you know, like I really, I also tend to look past people's decisions or, I, I kind of, okay, here's like a weird little thing I came to, Amy. Okay. You ready for this? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Oh, okay. So I, I finally figured out after forever that, you know, um, in relationships, because I was so focused on like just forgetting or having blinders to all the negative because hey, we can't look at the negative. We just got to focus on the positive, like get through it. Kind of like what you told me that you were doing too. Like, you know, like we, I just, yeah. we just got to keep moving forward and just make it better. And I finally, like, when the blinders came off, I remember telling um, him, I remember saying, you know, the uh, the negatives do not erase all the positives, but the positives also do not erase the negatives, you know? And I had to be okay with the fact that there was some negatives that I wasn't okay with and that there was some positives that were really great. And I, and once I started to try not to explain away all this stuff on both sides, positive, negative, whatever, and just sit with both of them and re and realize they both existed in the relationships, then it was easier for me to make more um, clear decisions because it was no longer a fight against, but he does all these good things, but there's also this negative stuff, but I do these things and he deals with that. And instead of like a, he did, she did fight. It just became a, where am I now? And, and what do, what do I need to do from here forward and, and get really clear? You know, for me, I, I, I really love God and I have a close relationship with him. And it took a lot of deep, um, gut-wrenching, painful 
conversations, screaming matches. I swore at God a few times. I was just, wow. I just, I had to feel it all, you know, but I wanted him to be with me in it. And uh, I think that that's what really kind of helped to keep me from completely going off the edge, but I was pretty close. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. So one thing that's interesting to me is in our church, what I have seen in the last number of years since I divorced and then I remarried mm-hmm. that I'm the only person I know. Now I know you that, that didn't like kind of kill their relationship with God for a while. <laughs> because yeah. Everyone I know, including my husband that I'm married to now. Yeah. Did not stay strong or did not, keep that relationship with God because they were mad at him. They were mad at everything, you know, so you're saying you're mad at him or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But you still kept him with you, which I actually think is very remarkable. And I think that's, that's amazing. I kept him because I don't, I don't know that I ever got mad at him. I really didn't, but I felt like he just needed to be my companion. (laughs) That makes sense. So that's, you know, I didn't have those intense, like angry feelings, but every other person I talk to that has gone through what we've gone through has left the church for a while or who has got, or yeah, really, they just take a different path for a while. For sure. And so bad, but I actually think it's pretty amazing that you didn't, like you actually turned to him, let him know that you're frustrated and upset and angry and whatever, but still kept that relationship because- that doesn't, that doesn't happen frequently. Yeah. So I have to, I have to like correct you a little bit. So I, um, I stayed strong with God. So God and I are super tight, but I have gone through this period since my second divorce where the church and I are in an, it's complicated state. So, so when you talk about these things, like I actually really understand it and I understand it on a completely different level. Now, when I'm like, you were talking about many people who have left God or left the church or gone a different path for a while. You know, I I remember like when I would have, after my first marriage, I didn't. And I remember like thinking about, um, all my friends who had kind of, you know, quote unquote, left the church. And I remember all these like judgments that kind of came out, you know, like, oh, they just, yeah. they just didn't have the testimony or they just didn't have the faith or all this, whatever stuff. And once I was in that state of having questions and being frustrated and being angry at God and being angry at like people in the church, even because I've had to navigate that now, um, it's something that I had never thought that I would feel or I would ever be faced with. But then here I am, you know, and and I think it was a choice of it's so like it was like I had to give myself permission to say, you know what, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry at people who say things that don't even know that it hurt you, you know? And, and so I, I just me personally, I chose to make the decision to be okay being in, this is kind of complicated right now space, but yet I'm still going to want God with me. Kind of like what you're saying. Like I want him as my companion and I wanted to bring him into my anger. I wanted to be so 
so vulnerable and raw with him and tell him like, there was times where I'm like, I'm mad at you. I had all of the spiritual, you know, experiences to tell me that this would be a right choice, or I did all the right things or blah, 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 you know, all these things that kind of endeared me to trusting him so much with my choice of marriage. And I had to then come to the realization of the fact that we all have agency. And um, I think the best advice I got was from a stake president. Uh, I was about ready. So there was once where I I had a, um, so let's talk about this a little bit too. And, and you can stop me if you need to, but you know, I, I had, we have well-meaning bishops and leaders that are just trying to help us from their perspective. And, right. and I think I, I had a brand new bishop feel so bad for him in my first marriage. And he was, we were like the first exhibit A of like a marriage grumbling. And um, I felt so bad for him because he was fighting so hard to know what to say and how to show up. And he said a few things that I was not okay with that really offended me. And so I stood up and I went to walk out the door because I'm like, I'm done talking and the stake president came and, and he uh, knocked on the door and he said, hey, I just had a feeling to come down here. And I was like, oh, wow. So he took me to his office and I told him how I was struggling and that I was hurt and I didn't understand and I was frustrated. And, you know, my understanding of, of the temple, um, you know, promises are this and I just don't understand X, Y and Z now and all these things. And he just let me vent. And he was really quiet and he looked at me and he said, um, do you think God's going to love you any less or any differently if you choose to leave or if you choose to stay? I looked at him and I didn't know how to answer that because in my mind, I, I had tied my worth and value to the marriage and to performing in the celestial or in this tie that I had created, you know, and and I remember he just looked at me and he said, Sasha, like he is a loving heavenly father. And will he be really sad if you guys have to go separate ways? Absolutely. But will he love you any less? Absolutely not. And it was just something that I needed because you're in a high stake place. You know, whether you're trying to work through your marriage or you've just divorced, like you are in a completely vulnerable place in every way and hypersensitive. People say things and if it wouldn't have, you know, annoyed you or frustrated you two years ago, it now does because your emotions are high and everything's insane. And um, I think I needed to hear that just so that I could let go of some shame or some guilt and be able to just actually sit to hear God's voice again, because I needed to know that, you know, wow, God, God does love us. And if, I mean, I think about anybody listening to this, you know, um, whether you have questions about the church now or your relationship with God now or relationship with other people now, and you're going through a divorce or you're in a marriage that you don't know how to fix, you know, like, I guess my biggest thing was I just chose to fight with God and for God and just what he, what he and I came to terms with, you know, like I wanted, I wanted a deeper connection with God. And that meant I had to be real and open with him and say, I hated him and tell him like, I, I want to blame you for this and sit with that for a little while. And then I could go back and say, all right. I don't really understand why this is happening. I got my anger out with you. You know how I feel. And I still want you in my life. And I don't know how to make that work yet. So please help me figure that out. And I think that that was when it started to change 
the way that, um, you know, I had a relationship with him post-divorce, plus in a new marriage as a stepmom, you know how that, how crazy that is. Oh, oh goodness. Stepmothering. <laughs> Literally the hardest thing I've ever done. That, yes. And it, it continues to be the hardest thing. Yeah. Every part of stepmothering. Totally hard. agree. I totally agree. <laughs> okay. I actually was going to ask you yeah. about that. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, how was it as a stepmom? So you have your own kids now. We yeah. didn't even talk about your children. Oh, yeah. So Sasha has children. Yeah. I have, I have three kids, <laughs> two from my first marriage and one from my second. So Sasha has to actually yeah. like scheduling with two exes <laughs> and their spouses. I mean, that's just what's really hard. Yeah. That, that's, that's even more complicated. Like I feel like I'm complicated, but hers even more. <laughs> when you entered this for the second marriage and now you're an instant stepmom, And before she says anything, I mean, behind doors, I don't know how your stepmothering was, but again, when I met her, she was like this, like perfect present, you know, she just was like beautiful and, and her stepkids were like hanging on her, mm-hmm. holding her hand, like being right where she was. And, and I was like, wow, <laughs> because my stepmothering experience has really been the only, the only thing I can say is the hardest thing I've ever gone through Yeah, and continues to be because I'm put in a place of, it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. I'm always a bad stepmom. Like it doesn't, it doesn't ever matter. And it's, and there's a lot of reasons why, like I am a good stepmom and I know that, but they're not allowed to let me be a good stepmom. Oh, yes. Like they're, they're controlled in a way that's not necessarily healthy, but anyway, so I'm looking at you seeing your kids, like your own kids and his kids just love you and want to be with you and sit on your lap. And I was like, wow. Her stepmothering has got to be a lot better than mine. Hey, man, <laughs> you know? I'm going to be jailed for that. <laughs> so how was that? Like, did, do you think that that also added to wanting to leave the marriage? Or was that, like, how did all that go? Because you saw me when it was, like, year three and four. So, so the first two years, so the first year especially was, like, whoa, hard. Because um, I had gone from two to four kids. And it was two boys to two girls because he had two daughters. And I mean, the oldest one is 13 now. And so it's like prepubescent, like all the stuff. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I remember one night in particular, I would walk out of the girl's room and I walked downstairs and I told him, I said, um, okay, I know I'm a girl, but I have no idea what I'm doing with them. (laughs) And I just felt completely out of water. I remember like I had extreme feelings of frustration towards one of the children. We butt heads like crazy. Um, and I remember thinking like, wow, like this is never going to get better because she just hates me and she defies me and she doesn't want to listen to me because I'm not her mom and all these things that were just happening. And, and I remember one day I was like, I have got to do something different because obviously what I'm doing is not working anymore. And so I started like this really intensive, like, okay, what do I need to learn about me as to why she's bothering me so bad? Number one. And then number two, um, I'm going to need some big help. And at the time it was like, I'm going to need God to tell me how to, how to 
get through to this girl because I don't know how to and nothing's working. And, and, um, I remember like, I would just start getting like weird ideas. I had to put in the work, you know, like I had to read and I had to search things and I had to try things and fail all the time. And there's many times I would just ball or behind closed doors, tell my then husband, like your child is killing me. And he would tell me, well, your child's killing me, you know? And like, we would have to have these super open, honest conversations that you don't want to ever have to say about children. But that's the reality of being a step parent is navigating these real ups and downs of feelings. And I remember like one time telling him, like, I just don't think I can handle her. Like, you've got to figure this out now because I can't do it. And um, after that point, I was like, okay, I, so there was a lot of like giving up. Okay. It's up to you. You've got to figure it out to then like, nope, I got to fight to figure this out. And I'm going to, I'm going to engage again. And it was a lot of back and forth until one day I stopped. I, I, I don't even know all the, all the steps, but I just remember one day I was like, okay, I no longer care if she likes me or not. I'm going to love her because she probably needs this more than I do. And I'm going to find whatever it's going to take to try to, to figure out how we can at least just get along. And so we, I started random little things and I, instead of like stepping on eggshells around her, I started to treat her like my own child. And I started to treat her the same way I would with my boys. And I started asking her questions and trying to get to know her. And I was like, okay, well, if this is my friend, you know, like, how would I get to know this person? And I'm not here to teach her. I just, I just want to be her friend. And, you know, that's a lot of different ways to look at it, but it opened up the door so that I no longer was like, oh, I have to be this girl's stepmom. It was, nope, I'm just here to get to know her, love her, acknowledge her, and still hold the boundaries as a parent in the home. And and that kind of switched things. And that's when you saw the, the that was, that was almost two years, two and a half years by the time that you had seen me of um us actually getting to a place where we really like respected each other and we loved each other and they did want to be with with me and and that was the that was a big hard part of me not wanting to leave was because I didn't want to leave those girls well what you did was amazing what even your thought process on how to make it better because a lot of step parents do give up or they just say you know not my problem I don't I don't have to deal with that anymore yeah and we all have those Oh, for sure. You're human. And the other, the other thing about being a stepmom is just that you're put in this place where the competition between a mom and a stepmom, it just is there, even though you don't want it to be there and you're not trying to make it there. Like stepdad, it's, it's almost like the kids are totally fine when their mom remarries, but it's hard when their dad does. It's like, Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, my dad used to be all for me. And now this woman came in and stole him away. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So it just can be really tricky, but, but you did get to that really good loving place. And yeah, that is when I saw you, but I, I mean, I've been a stepmom now for six years for more than six years. And I don't have that relationship with my stepkids, but I, I know, I know why I don't. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that will be different in time. Yeah. But they're just in a hard place right now where it's really not acceptable in their home. 
Well, you know, so. and like, I have a question for you too, because, and even anybody listening to this, I mean, just because, you know, my, my, the way that I had a relationship with them, it was exactly what they needed, but who's to say that your kids, this is exactly what they need right now, you know? And, and like, I, I hope that, you know, cause when I see you, cause this is the hard part is we only see other, it's easier to see other people. It's not as easy to see ourselves. But like when I see you, Amy, I, I know you love them, even though it's hard. I know you take care of them. You're providing for them. You're trying to give them a good life and teaching them wonderful things to help them be good humans. And like, that's something that I just like, I hope you don't beat yourself up too bad because everybody's situation is going to be so different, but you are an amazing, amazing stepmom. And that's the hard part is we just, we only see the failures, you know? No, I really appreciate that because I really do think I'm an awesome stepmom. <laughs> I really do. I'm like, you're lucky to have me, man. I am awesome. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm serious. That's really how I feel. But I didn't always feel that way because uh, I was easy in the beginning. I was like, oh gosh, I've got this. I know how to handle kids. I love kids, you know. But that's not the hat that they put on me. And then there was a lot of complication that kept that kept that relationship from progressing and it's not on me. It's on them now. For sure. you know? So I can do my part, but relationship goes both ways. And, and that's in marriage relationships with your stepkids, relationships with your kids, relationships with your parents. I mean, relationships go both ways. Totally. So you can't, you can't have a one-sided relationship. And if you're doing all the work and the other person isn't, it's not a real relationship. Another question I have for you is, so you went through all this and you went through all the self-discovery. So here you are in your second marriage, realizing, wait, this isn't really what I truly wanted. Like what took you to that place to then start doing all the self-discovery and figure things out and backtrack into your childhood? Like what was it? Yeah, that's so I know. And it's, and it's so hard because like at the time I really wanted that, you know, like this guy was amazing. He like, to be honest, he checked so many boxes that I wanted in a companion. And I thought that I had made the decision knowing full well, everything. And there's so many different nuances, you know, and I, I had loved him. I'd cared about him. And there were just so many pieces with after years that I didn't even know. And so I guess the first thing that started happening was, well, um, this is going to sound kind of funny, but I started like, I just started recognizing that, um, when he would come home, it would be different. You know, like I was really at ease when he wasn't there. And then when he was there, I felt like, oh no, okay. I got to like, not perform, but maybe perform, you know, like I just felt like I, I was, I was acting different or I was trying to like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I started to recognize my actions first. So I started, cause a lot of times I feel like our bodies and our actions happen and then we get connected to our thoughts and our feelings, you know, cause a lot of times, like I think thoughts and feelings for, like go first and then actions happen. But when you've been disconnected from yourself because of trauma, a lot of the times you're just acting 
you're just you're just doing making choices because you don't want to have to connect to those painful parts of you and and so i started to recognize my actions and i started to recognize like all of a sudden so i actually joined <laughs> funny enough i joined an mlm and in the mlm it's all about self development and so i started reading books and i started reading the self development and the self development started me thinking and started me feeling really deep things and started me recognizing. And I got really intrigued with like, I just got super curious. Hmm. Why do I do that? Why do I say that? Why do I respond that way? Why do I act like that? And it just took me down this whole entire journey of like, just trying to figure out me. And then when, um, and then when I recalled all of the trauma of my childhood, because I was finding a place where I feel I had the tools to be able to handle that new, new piece of information. I don't think I did before that. And I've heard that a lot too. Like people who suffer trauma, it won't come out. Like they'll have delayed memory of it sometimes. And I had remembered most of it, but not this one last piece. And so when the one last piece kind of like connected, it was like all the other, um, dominoes out of place or whatever, like all lined up and all just fell. And it was just like, whoa. And I just understood things more. Um, I went to this really great place. It's called the brain rehab clinic and they help you to kind of like, like he knew that I had PTSD without me saying anything just by the tests that they were doing. And the PTSD was a trauma response. And so that prevented what he was telling me is that prevented me from speaking my voice. So if my husband had said, Hey, we need to do this or whatever. I would try to say, well, I don't know if I feel the same way, but I would always kind of like give in. I would never, I would never speak. And then I was left frustrated. And then he was dealing with a frustrated wife who didn't know what the H was happening because she didn't know what was happening. And so, so it was just this bad cycle until I started getting really curious and then recognizing and going, wow, I really, I've got some stuff that needs to be healed and it makes sense now why everything's happening the way that it is. And it just kind of, it opened my eyes a lot to, um, self-healing, you know, I, I realized, and I had started that journey probably two and a half years prior to our actual divorce, but it was, it's, it's not overnight. Like it took me constantly working on it. Yeah. It's just crazy. Cause I had no idea, you know, you just have no idea what's happening to someone. Even though you reached out a couple of times saying, Hey, we really need to talk, or I want to talk to you about this. I never really did. So it's just, it's interesting to hear what was happening. Yeah, for sure. And you just don't know what people are going through. And especially because there was a lot of shame. I didn't want to have to admit where I was at to myself. I didn't want to have to admit that to my husband. He was trying his hardest to do what he could with his, with where he was at, you know, and he was fighting his demons and I didn't want to have to add that on top of there. And, you know, and then there's, you know, and then my kids, and then what about the family? And you think about all these things and it's so hard to share it with people and trust people with that information because it's sensitive information, you know, and I, and I feel like if you, sh like I was told once, like, be careful who your truth tellers are. And I remember like with a marriage, especially if it's rocky, um, you know, that sometimes 
if you open up the conversations with some people and they tell you certain things that could sway your decision, you know, that could be a not so great thing. And so I was really in this place of like, okay, so I, I started like talking to a therapist, talking to the bishop, talking to people who I, you know, I, I felt like, okay, who, who are people that I really trust in this space where I can talk to them about it? And, and I think that, I think that's important, you know, because sometimes when we listen to the wrong voices, it can sway us because we don't really know what, what we need to do and what's best. And, and a lot of people give fantastic advice and they don't know every single type of detail. Cause I could tell you all the things that he did and all the things that I think I did. And he could tell you a completely different story, you know, because it's the perception and what is going on. And there's just so many, there's so many pieces to it that it, it should be handled with care, you know, like, and so I wanted to talk to you, but at the same time too, I was so afraid to just talk to people about it. And that was, that was on me. You know, I, I had to learn how to get to that space to where I could, I could open up about it. So how did you get to that space? How did you get to a place where, you know, what? it's okay for me to talk about these things? That's such a good question. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you know this, but you know how Brene Brown talks a lot about like shame and vulnerability and how like shame can't thrive or shame thrives in secrecy. Yeah. Um, and I was, so I finally, one day I was like, okay, um, Heavenly Father, like <laughs> you're the only one who knows what's happening, but I am going to, um, talk to a close friend of mine who is, um, who's not totally like super involved with it. So she didn't have like an emotional component to it. You know, like family members have a big emotional component to your decision with your spouse because they love you. They care about you. They're afraid for you. They don't want you to make the wrong choice. And so I had a friend who was distant enough that I just started telling her a few things here and there. And, um, she was so great because she wouldn't never, she wouldn't give me advice. She would just listen and she would ask me questions and she would let me make the decisions on my own. And if I got, if I ever got stuck, she would like remind me how much she trusted in me that I could make that decision on my own. And so I think that type of a space really helped me to start feeling confident to be able to say, oh, I can, I can trust in myself a little bit more here and maybe I can talk to somebody else now. And so then that's when I went to my bishop at the time and I was like, okay, this is what's going on here. And he was, I, I was lucky with him too, because he was the same type. I, you know, I'm not sure what to tell you right now. I want to help you and I want to do this and I need to take time to think about this. And how are you feeling? What, what are you getting in your personal revelation? Where are you, where are you at? And it just kind of started giving me the confidence to be able to talk about it openly. And then, and then I could take that to my husband and then I could say, okay, I'm really afraid to tell you this, but here we go. This is where I'm at. And this is what I'm struggling with. And this is where we're going. And, and I think it honestly was just baby steps because when, when you are ashamed and when you are afraid, it's, it's much easier. You think to just shove it down deep inside and I'll just deal with it because it's just my issue and I don't want to affect anybody else. But I guess like the biggest lesson I learned was the more and more that I did that or tried to like make everything good, I was actually really making it worse. And once I started to realize that piece, 
um, and that it was important to start talking about it and opening it up and, and trying to find help. Um, and that I didn't know all the answers and that I could still hear what people have to say and counselors have to say and still make my own decisions. It was like, oh, I can do that. Like, I just didn't know I could do that. And I think sometimes we just don't know that we can do it. Like you said at the very beginning of this, you know, people are struggling in their marriages and they just don't even know, they just don't know the tools yet, you know? And so that, I guess, I guess that was a big thing was giving myself permission to say, it's okay to talk about this. And even if they tell me advice I don't like, I don't have to take it, you know, and I can work on it more or whatever. Once you started becoming more vulnerable with yourself and being okay with that and verbalizing to, to other people how you felt, how did you feel then? So I'm saying, how did you feel inside, even though it was scary and it was hard to start being more vulnerable and start really recognizing how you truly felt? How did you feel after that once you started doing that? Yeah. So just like what you said at the very beginning, it was terrifying. It took me a long time to be able to get to that point. Um, And then once I started and you still have to navigate the ups and downs of that, but because sometimes you say things to somebody and it's not received well, and then you feel like, oh, I got to hide this even further. So there's definitely like a lot of learning in there, but I, after I started doing it, it was like all of a sudden I started feeling more relieved. It was like I started feeling more like at home with myself. I started feeling less, I started feeling like less afraid. And I started feeling like I felt like I was being more myself than I ever had been. And I recognize how I, because I was, whether it was the trauma that did this or things that I didn't know, I recognized in myself that I was preventing a deeper intimacy with my then husband, regardless of his decisions and the things that he struggled with in his own life too. But I was stopping this deeper connection and intimacy because of that fear. And even though it sucked when I had to say those things, It was just like, I felt like all of a sudden I was breathing again and it was just like, okay, like, I don't really know how to work this new space or how to do this perfectly or how to say this or wrap it up in the perfect present to present it to you. It just like, it just was so freeing. And all of a sudden it was like, I couldn't, there wasn't any, like, I, I felt sad but there was no like shame or guilt because it was like when you're honest and vulnerable with yourself that naturally, and then you're able to do that with others. It, you can't really argue with it anymore. It is so freeing. And that's, that's, that right there is like probably the number one reason why I wanted to talk to you because I knew you had come to this place because you and I have talked before about it. Yeah. Once you actually are open and honest with yourself, Yes, And you have those conversations that are hard, even with yourself, if the conversations are with yourself, you know, and then with, with your husband and, and with God or whoever, it is so freeing and it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. And that right there is good stuff. That right there is what makes you who you really are meant to be. Yes, exactly. And it's hard to get there. It's a fight to get there. It's not like, especially if you haven't been taught those tools or been given those tools. And especially like in a culture where 
there is a lot of shame. There is a lot of guilt. There is a lot of all these back and forth and you shouldn't do this, but you should do this. And so many voices and you want to please the people you love. And then when you get to that place, you recognize, whoa, being, being honest, like I could be completely honest in every way, but I didn't know that I wasn't being honest with myself because I was too afraid, you know? And I think, like you said, it's just, it's just so freeing. It's so freeing. Okay. Last question. And then I'll let you go. (laughs) And this maybe, maybe this is uh, what we've been talking about, but out of all of your experiences that you've gone through over the last number of years, what is like the most important thing than you, that you have learned up to this point? Oh, it's the most important thing that I have learned. What's the nugget that people could take away with them? For me personally, and for a lot of people I've, I've talked to, I think it would be that a lot of the problems um, can be solved by going inwards rather than outward. And I, I guess what I mean by that in a lot of ways is, um, especially since we've been talking about relationships, it's really easy to get in the, well, he did this or she did this or they're doing this wrong and they're doing that wrong and they're not seeing me and they're blah, blah, blah. blah. And instead of like going on to that, questioning yourself and going, well, am I seeing myself clearly? Am I connecting in those ways? Am I? So I started to learn that the people around me, like what was hurting me or what was bothering me or what was whatever, it was like trigger for like a mirror for me to go, oh, wait a second. I need to kind of do some inward work here to just check this, to check here. Because I I don't know. I just felt like the only way to true intimacy with kids, with friends, with, you know, spouses is like, how well can you know yourself so that you can give that to other people, you know, so that self-love, um, I didn't love myself for a long time and it showed, you know, and I didn't know it showed because like you said, on the outside, it looks like everything was great, but so, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if that is, is what you asked me, but that's where it went. And it was kind of a hard answer. Like the most important thing. You- I loved your answer. Sasha, you are an incredible woman and I am so grateful that we are friends and that I was able to meet you and that you would be on this podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. And we will see you on another podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, make sure you are subscribed to my weekly newsletter and Facebook group so you don't miss anything. Find both on my website at luckysanders.com.